What's up? How y'all doing? So glad you're here today. Um, and uh, Blake already did a great job of welcoming you, but I, I do want to tell you that if you're, you're new to Freedom, we're really glad to see you. Uh, we do this every week right here. Love for you to come back uh, next week as, as we continue to do this. But uh, we're going to finish up a series of messages that we started a couple of weeks ago uh, called My Circle. And, and what we're talking about is we're talking about uh, you, you telling people about Jesus. And so the very first week uh, we talked about that and we talked about the, the strategy which is tell your story to your people. That's the strategy that we have for telling folks about Jesus. It's not you memorizing half of the New Testament, uh, which that's good if you can do that. It's not you, you know, trying to, to uh, you know, have two canned questions that you always ask. It's simply building relationships with people and then praying for and looking for opportunities to tell them your story about how Jesus has changed your life. And the thing that we need to remember, and we talked a little bit about this the first week, but just to remind you again, is that... What hangs in the balance on this is eternity. That, that there, there are two places that people can spend eternity, and what decision they make on this earth regarding Jesus determines which place they're going to spend eternity. There, no matter what you've read for anybody else, there's a book that came out recently, no matter what you've heard about that, no matter any of that stuff, there's a real hell, and real people go there. Real people that were nice on this earth, grandmas go to hell. People go to hell if they reject Jesus. And you might say, well, wait a minute. Uh, I got a friend. They don't haven't really rejected Jesus. If they haven't accepted him, then they've rejected him. Those are the two options. And so the, the reality is, is that, that we, we have a responsibility to tell our story to people we know so that they can not only have a great life here on earth, but they can spend eternity in heaven instead of spending eternity separated from God in a very real place called hell. And so eternity hangs in the balance. So that's why we wanted to spend a few weeks to talk about this. Now, one of the things when, when uh, we talked about, uh, we talked about tell your story to your people. Last week, Donnie did a great job of talking about your story. And I thought he really did good. And if you weren't here, go on the website and listen to last week's message because it was very, very good about helping you break down the idea of what is your story. That your story, yes, it's about when you accepted Jesus, but then there's other parts of your story since then about what Jesus is teaching you every day and, and things like that. Really, really good stuff. Be sure and go back and listen to that if you weren't here. But today we're going to talk about your people. So we talked about your story. We're going to talk about who are your people. And, uh, and, and when, we, when we think about telling your story to your people, perhaps for some of you that has um, made you feel a little more comfortable about sharing Jesus. Because if you're like most folks, um, when you think about telling someone about Jesus, you get uncomfortable, don't you? I mean, am I the only one that gets uncomfortable? Uh, if, if we'll be honest, we all, we can talk to people about politics, we can talk about the weather, we can talk about sports, we can talk, put two women in a room together and they'll be telling intimate details about their birth experiences, you know, I mean, all that kind of stuff. But then when it comes to talk about Jesus... Well, then that gets, we get real uncomfortable about that, even though we'll share all kind of other things about ourselves. And, and maybe when you hear about, okay, I can tell my people, that might make you feel a little more comfortable because we're not expecting you to go knock on doors and just as people open the door, just ask them about Jesus. We're not, not talking about you sitting down on a plane and looking at the person next to you that you've never met before and just opening up with a line like, hey, if this plane crashes and we burn to death, will your fire go out 
or will it continue for the rest of eternity in hell? I mean, we, we're not expecting you to do that. And so, but at the same time, even though it might make some of your fears go away, it brings up a whole new list of fears. Because when you start ta- talking about telling people you already know about Jesus, that can be really, really weird. In fact, you might have some friends that you think, man, if I bring Jesus in, it, 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 this is a long-standing friendship, it might, it might mess up our relationship. I, we, we've kind of agreed not to go that place when we talk. And, and, and if we're going to talk about that kind of stuff, it's going to mess things up. And then you think about telling your family. And you think, man, that'll really make things weird. But let's admit it, things are weird with your family already, aren't they? You've got that uncle that comes to Thanksgiving that does weird stuff. So just go ahead and tell him about Jesus. It won't be anything weirder than what it already is. But, but that, so there's a whole new list of fears when we start talking about telling our people. Well, there's a, there's, there's a kind of a fact about this that, that should make sense practically, but, but we kind of overlook it. Practically, telling the people that you already know should be the most natural thing for us when we tell, to tell somebody about Jesus. Think about it. If you have a baby, if you get a job promotion, uh, if you buy a new truck or kill a big deer or get a great sale at wherever it is that you shop, you tell people about that, don't you? You, tell, you, you naturally tell your friends. I don't know any of you that have ever had a baby and said, we're just going to kind of keep this to ourselves. We really don't want anybody to know this. You tell people, you tell your friends. Well, if, if Jesus has saved you, just like that song we just sang, if Jesus has saved you, has transformed your life, ha- has given you a future in heaven, ha- has given you a new purpose to live for, shouldn't you want to share that with the people you already know? That should be as natural for us to share as it is when we have a baby or we get married or we get a new job. But for whatever reason, we put that back somewhere else and, and we have a fear about sharing that. So there's two great stories in Scripture that I want us to look at this morning about real people just like you, uh, just like me, that, that were changed by Jesus, and they took the opportunity then to tell people that they already knew, to, uh, to share their testimony, to tell people about Jesus. And the first story is in John chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open to the New Testament. That's the second part of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go ahead and open to John chapter 4. And I'm going to read some scripture here in, uh, in just a second from John chapter 4. Now also, the other thing, uh, we talked a little bit about this in, in staff meeting Tuesday. Um, Donnie had y'all write a bunch of stuff down last week. You might remember that. And some of y'all were, uh, you know, like, why do we have to write this stuff down? Uh, there's, every week when you come in, you get, a, um, you get a, a handout, a worship guide. There's a place on there for you to take notes. Um, just if you hear anything that you think, hey, I might want to look at that later, write that down. At least I would write the scripture that we talk about down every week. I would just write those down and then you can go back and read over it later, see if I'm making stuff up, if I'm really telling you the truth or, or whatever. But, uh, but you, might, you might actually hear something in here from week to week that you want to write down and, and look at again. So John chapter 4, I'm going to read from verse 13, but let me tell you what happens before verse 13. This is a story where Jesus was traveling around and uh, he went through this area called Samaria. Now, the big deal about Samaria was Jesus was, uh, was Jewish and the Samaritans, they hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. Uh, the Jews thought the Samaritans were what they called unclean. 
So they, they believed that if they hung out with Samaritans that they would be unable to go to the temple and worship with their friends. So, uh, so this, was a, this was a kind of a big deal. Well, Jesus is in Samaria, and this whole story, it's just talking about Jesus breaking down barriers. Uh, first of all, it's Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. So he breaks down the barrier about Jews and Samaritans. Then it's a woman, and he's, he's a man, and that, they weren't supposed to hang out and talk in public, and this was a public place. So he breaks that barrier down as well. Turns out this woman uh, had been sleeping around with all kind of guys in town, and so Jesus, as a, as a Jewish teacher or rabbi, he's not supposed to hang out with anybody that's doing that, so he breaks down that barrier as well. So it's a great story of Jesus breaking down all the social and cultural barriers that get in the way of us communicating with one another, and he breaks all that stuff down so that he can tell her the gospel. He can tell her about who he is. And look at, uh, look at verse 13. Uh, I'm going to read 13 through 18, and, and this is kind of part of that conversation. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now check out what Jesus does here. Now this is something Jesus can do when he talks to people that we can't do. All right, so just understand this right off the bat. He told her, go call your husband and come back. And the reason Jesus can do this and we can't is he knows everything. So he knew what this woman's situation was. Verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. And check out how Jesus just lays the smack down. He says, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And so what Jesus does there is he has this conversation with her, and at this, the whole time he's being kind and loving, but he confronts the fact that she's, got, that she's got sin in her life. And one of the things that we have to understand, we're not going to spend a long time on this today, but every, anybody you tell about Jesus, anybody who wants to come to faith in Jesus, we have to admit that we've got sin in our life. You can't come to Jesus and say, hey, I got everything under control, but I'm just coming here to kind of just, you know, get him over the top, and so I make sure my eternity's covered. No, we have to come to Jesus and say, without you, I can't save myself. I'm messed up. I, I got these problems. I got these, these things going on. And so Jesus confronts her about her sin. And, uh, and then, so then what happens next? Uh, we're going to skip down to verse 39. Look at verses 39 through 42. And this is the part where she goes and then talks to her people. Starting in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So when we start talking about telling our story to our people, when we think about our people, there's a couple things that I think we can learn uh, from, from this scripture and one we're going to read in a minute. The first one is this. Your people are at different points along their journey to Jesus. Your people are at different points along their journey to Jesus. Um, you, uh, you can't be born a Christian. You, 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 don't, uh, you don't inherit that. You can inherit uh, receding hairline. You can inherit high blood pressure. 
you can re- inherit big fat hips. You know, if your mama's got big fat hips, sorry ladies, you probably have big fat hips. You can inherit all that kind of stuff, right? And, uh, and guy, I would say guys can inherit a big gut, but I think we kind of do that to ourselves with, you know, other stuff. But anyway, um, but we can inherit all kind of stuff from our parents. But one thing you can't inherit is you can't inherit faith in Jesus Christ. You were, if you were born into a house where your parents believed in Jesus, that doesn't make you automatically believe in Jesus. And parents, you need to remember that too. If you believe in Jesus, you need to be teaching your kids. You don't just need to assume that, well, you know, somehow I pass that along through my DNA. It doesn't work that way. And so every, every one of us, we, when we're born in this earth, we begin a journey towards Jesus. We're, we're set on a pathway towards Jesus. Now, how far along we move on that journey depends on a lot of different things. And if you are born, if you were born into a Christian household with parents that taught you about Jesus in the home, that took you to church where you could learn about Jesus, chances are you're going to move along that path faster than others, and you might accept Jesus very young. I accepted Jesus at a very young age because I was born into a household where my parents talked about Jesus at home, they took me to church, and so I moved along the path pretty quickly because I was blessed to have been born in a house like that. Some of you are here and you would say, man, I didn't even know about Jesus until I was a teenager or until I was an adult. And so you still, you made your way down the path towards Jesus, but it took you longer because of the fact that you just had a different situation growing up than some other people did. Now, every one of your friends, all of your people that you know, that you need to tell your story to, they are somewhere along that pathway towards Jesus. You might not know exactly how far along the road they are. But in the, in the story with the Samaritan woman, you can see that there's different kinds of people along the pathway. Look at verse 39. It says there, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. There were some people that she told about Jesus, and they were so far down the path, all they had to do was hear her story. The, the, her testimony is her story. So she says, I was at the well getting water. This guy comes and talks to me. He changed my life. His name's Jesus. And some of them, they were already far enough down the pathway that when they heard that, that's all they needed. They, they didn't need to see Jesus face to face. They heard about it and they said, we believe you. We believe that that's true. And that their lives were changed then because of what she told them and, and they accepted Jesus for themselves. But then there was other groups. Look at verse 40 and 41. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. So she had some people that they were so far down the path, they just heard the story and that was enough. But there were others, they weren't as far down the path towards Jesus yet. But what happened was when she shared her story is it got them interested. It, it, it put a little taste in their mouth for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and they heard just a little bit, and, and so when Jesus came to town, they said, we want to hear the real deal, we want to hear more. Tell us what's going on. And, and all that started with her being willing to share her story. And so, so you, when you are out there, and, and, and you go to work, and you go to school, and all the places that you are, you're going to tell your story. You're going to have some people that when they hear that story, that's going to be enough for them, and they're going to be ready to accept Jesus. They're going to be ready to, to, to ask him to change their lives and, and to forgive them of sin. But then there's going to be others of your friends and your family that, that they're just not that far down the path. And, and you, probably, you probably have experienced this before. You know, if you've ever tried to talk to your friends about Jesus, some of them, they, they're just not ready. But that doesn't mean we don't tell them. We continue to tell our story, but that, 
you don't know if you're telling them that might be just pushing them a little bit farther down the path. Uh, I heard a story um, that reminded me about uh, what it can be like sometimes to tell your friends about Jesus. And um, this is a true story. It's happened a few months ago. There was a, down in Miami, Florida. There was a uh, there was two homeless guys that went fishing one day, and uh, and and they caught a six foot nurse shark, and. When they caught it, they realized, hey, we might can make some money off of this. So they wanted to take it to the fish markets that are in the downtown Miami area that service the seafood restaurants in that area. But being homeless guys, they had no car, and it was a long way. So uh, what they did is there's public transportation in Miami. It's like a subway. It's like a people mover thing. And so they took the six-foot-long nurse shark, still alive, mind you. Sharks can stay alive a long time out of the water. And they get on the subway, just toting it on there. Now, can you imagine you're on your way to work or on your way home from work, I don't know what time of day it was, and you get in and you're like, there's a live shark, you know, and it's flopping around and these dudes are trying to hold it. And, uh, and, and the end of the story, by the way, is, is they never could find a, a fish market that wanted to buy it, so they just left it laying out in the street, which is kind of a weird deal too. But, but I thought about how, how out of place a, a six-foot-long live shark is on a public transportation system. And sometimes you might have friends that you want to share Jesus with, and you're going to feel like this is just so out of place for their life. It's it's as out of place as that is. When I'm trying to tell them about Jesus, they're so far in another direction that that it just seems weird to even try to introduce faith or or Christ into into the conversation at all. But we continue to tell our story. And and, and what you're doing, and, and that's why I think that our story is so powerful. Because when you tell them, it's not like you're trying to get them to believe the Bible yet. They might not believe the Bible, but they'll believe you. Because they'll say, you know, you'll say, this is what's happened to me. And they'll believe you about the fact that, that, that you're not lying to them. And, uh, and so, so you need to continue to tell your story no matter what point along the way your friends are on that path. Now, the second thing... Uh, we're going to move to a second part of Scripture. But the second thing we can learn, and, uh, and what we just talked about a little bit, is this. Your story will communicate to your people because they know you. Now, uh, turn to Mark chapter 5. If you're in, if you're in uh, John, just go backwards. Two books to the book of Mark. Look at Mark chapter 5, and I'm going to read you some verses there, starting with verse 3 in just a minute. Now, this is another story about Jesus changing somebody's life. This, this, guy was, this guy was messed up, all right? This, this guy, uh, Jesus crosses this lake. He gets out of the boat, and as soon as he gets out of the boat, a guy who's demon-possessed meets him at, at the boat, and he's all, he's all messed up. And look what it says about this guy. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 3. Here's the description of, of who this guy was. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Mark, Mark 5, 3. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Then verse 4. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So here's a guy that, that he's been pretty much a terror for the whole town. Can you imagine you're laying in bed at night trying to go to sleep and you hear this wild man out in the graveyard hollering and cutting himself and, and they, try to, they would try to arrest him or try to get him some help and they would chain him up and, and he was so strong he would bust the chains off of him and all this kind of stuff. So 
he was, he was well known in the town as, as having some serious, serious issues. Well, what happens is Jesus saves him. Jesus casts the demons out of him, and it was more than one demon. The scripture says there were many demons. Jesus, by the power of, of, of him, of, of who he was, he cast the demons out. This guy's completely changed. And so look at what happens after that. This is what the guy wants to do. Mark uh, five eighteen. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now, that, that makes sense, doesn't it? This guy, his life was terrible. Jesus comes in and changes him, and so he's getting ready to leave town, and the guy says, man, I want to go with you. I want to, I'm different now, and I want to go with you. I want to I stay with you. You're the guy that changed me. And, and, and uh, you know, I can remember we used to take kids to, uh, to camp, to centrifuge uh, youth camp when I was doing youth ministry. And you'd have kids, they would go, and they'd get excited about Jesus, and they'd say, I just want to live here at centrifuge and just stay here for the rest of my life. Well, it doesn't work that way, does it? Because you have to go back home. And, and, and here, here's what I think is interesting. Jesus, Jesus resists the urge to let this guy go with him. Now imagine Jesus was traveling around. He could have let this guy go with him. They'd have been like a traveling show. Hey, come see Jesus and the formerly demon-possessed guy, right? And he'd come out and he'd give his testimony. Then Jesus would come out and he'd preach and they'd take up huge offerings and be on TV and all this kind of stuff. It would have been amazing. But what does Jesus do? Look what he tells them, verse 19. Jesus did not let him but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy on you. And then in verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. See, Jesus invented tell your story to your people. It's not something that me and Donnie and the rest of the staff came up with. We didn't sit down one day and say, let's come up with a good evangelism strategy. Oh, I got it. I'm smart. I thought of it all by myself. No, this is, the, this is Jesus invented it. Because what does he tell that guy? Don't stay with me. Go home to your people, to your family, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Tell them what's happened to you. He didn't say to him, become a preacher. He didn't say to him, start a church. He said, just go home and tell them what Jesus has done for you. Jesus invented telling your story to your people. And then I love in verse 20 when it says that all the people were amazed. And see, all your people will be amazed too at your story. And you're saying, I don't think they will, Cliff. Why were they amazed? Why were the people amazed at this guy? Well, because he'd been crazy the day before. They knew him. The Samaritan woman, same thing. Why was her story amazing to people? Because she was the town tramp. And all of a sudden, she says, hey, I met this guy at a well. And they're thinking, yeah, I know probably what you did with him. And then she says, no, he changed me. I'm not the same person. I didn't even try to pick him up or anything. And now I'm different. And I'm, I'm going to live a different life. And she would, that people could see the difference in her life. And, and if you tell your story to your people, they're going to be amazed because they know you. They know that you're living it out, and they know that you're different. When, when, I, was a, when I was a kid, I grew up in a church, and um, they, would, they would bring in speakers from time to time, you know, people that weren't on our staff. And, and um, one of the guys they brought in when I was a teenager had been in the Hells Angels before he got saved. And I, you know, I was like 14 years old, and I remember hearing, and he spent 
like a long time talking about all the crazy stuff he did and bar fights and he was there when people got shot and he had been a drug dealer and I mean just crazy stuff that he had done, right? And I I left that day and you know what I felt like when I left? I can remember thinking, man, I wish I had a really good story about what Jesus did for me like that guy did. Because I was saved at age eight in my living room and the worst thing I had done up to then is tell some you know, dirty elementary school level jokes and lied to my parents. That was about it at age eight. That was pretty much the worst thing I'd done. And so I thought, who wants to hear my story? Who wants to hear me tell about, well, yeah, you know, before I got saved, I told this bad joke one time when I was seven. (laughs) Who wants to hear that? And so so you you get tempted, and and you've probably been the same way. You get tempted that we even kind of want to make stuff up. Yeah, the night that I was in Vegas when Tupac got shot and I was holding him in my arms, right? Then a guy came up and I sold him some crack and the next day Jesus saved me. You know, we want, we want to make up these crazy stories because we think that our story is not good enough. Listen, you were just and I was just as lost as that Hells Angels guy ever was even though I never was there when someone got murdered. I was just as lost as he was. I was just as lost as anybody hanging out with Tupac the night that he got killed. I was just as lost as any of those people because the only way we can be saved is through Jesus Christ. And so our story, whether it's, whether it's exciting to us or not, the exciting part of the story is the fact that Jesus died on a cross and we can accept that death and then we can be forgiven of sin. That's the exciting part. And so when you tell your story to your people, it's going to make a difference because they know you. And you don't have, and you can talk. I loved what Donnie did last week. He talked about how there's different parts of our story. Yeah, there's the moment you got saved, but there's also what has Jesus done for you since last week? What has Jesus done for you in your marriage? What has Jesus done for you in your work life? And when you share those things, people are going to see, oh, that's real. For instance, let's say you've got somebody that, that, that you just haven't been able to forgive. And you continue to pray and you continue to ask God and God breaks through the hardness of your heart and and he allows you to forgive that person. And it's a true forgiveness where you you forgive them for everything that's happened. You share that part of your story with somebody that you work with, somebody that you know, that's going to be powerful because they know you. They know you don't like to forgive people. And they're going to say, this has got to be something supernatural because I know you hold grudges. And you've forgiven this person, whatever it might be. Let's say you share something about what God's done in your marriage. And you've been complaining about your wife for the last two years. Or complaining about your husband. And then God comes in and he completely revolutionizes your marriage. And you're being obedient to him in the way you treat your wife or the way you treat your husband. And you begin to tell your friends at work and they begin to see that. And they know, you know what, I thought y'all were going to get a divorce. And now you've got one of the best marriages I've ever seen. There's got to be something to what Jesus has done for you. People will understand the power of God's mercy and the power of God's grace when you tell them your story because they know that you are sorry without it and I'm sorry without it. That's the thing. Is It's not about trying to get people to be impressed with us. It's trying to get them to understand that without Jesus, we're nothing and that he's done it all for us. Now let me just take just a moment to, to hit on this. And, uh, and I added this to the message later after I was finished uh, preparing it and uh, just through some conversations that I was having with people um, me, and, me and Donnie were talking about this and, and we had this conversation and he, he had this idea and I said yeah I need to add that in there um, your story will be powerful if your lifestyle matches up with what your story is does that make sense 
if you're telling people about the great grace of Jesus and how it's changed your life, and then you're going out, you know, and you're living like everybody else lives, you know, if one minute you're, you're telling your friends at work how you hooked up with a guy you met at the bar over the weekend, and then you say, but man, I went to church Sunday morning and it was just so awesome. You need to be living the lifestyle that your story says you're living. The reason that it was powerful when the Samaritan woman came and told them what had happened, the reason it was powerful when the demon-possessed guy came and told people what had happened is they were different, they were living a different lifestyle. If the demon-possessed guy came and said, hey, Jesus changed my life, and then he ripped all his clothes off again and started cutting himself with stones and went back to live in the graveyard, nobody would have been amazed at that. They would have just thought it was one more step in his crazy life. So we've, we've got to be sure that we're in the Word every day. That we're do Now, none of us are perfect. I'm not saying wait until you don't sin anymore before you tell your story, because that'll never happen. But what I'm saying is, is you need to be living the lifestyle that your story talks about. Now, the last thing that I want you to think about today, and if you haven't, hadn't written anything down all day, I'm going to ask you to write some stuff down here in just a second. Here's the last question for you to think about. Who are your people? Who are your people? See, the demon-possessed man, Jesus told him, go back and tell your family. Now, I'm sure he told other people too because it says he went to the Decapolis, which was like a big place in the city. But he says, go back and tell your family. So, so start there. The Samaritan woman, it says that she went back and told a bunch of other Samaritans. That's who she was. That was her people. So think about this. Who are your people? Now, the very first week when we started this, this series, uh, I challenged you to, to come up with two, three, or four names of people and to commit them to God. And, and y'all came down and filled up the front of this place and got on your knees and prayed specifically for people. So those, that's, that's where your list starts. It starts with those people. But I thought about there's kind of three circles of people in your life. Uh, the first is family. So if you've got something to write on, write down family. Uh, the first circle that, that we're responsible for telling our story to is our family. And, and as you think about that, as you write down family, uh, Go ahead and, and beside, beside that, just write down any names of people that you can think of that are in your family that need Jesus, that need to hear your story. Uh, maybe for some of you it's in your immediate family. Uh, maybe for some of you it's your wife or your husband, somebody that you, you, you're with all the time. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's extended out beyond immediate family, grandparents, grandkids, cousins, whatever. But, uh, but just think about some of those names. Go ahead and write them down there so you can have those names in your mind. Then the second circle that I think that, uh, that we're responsible for is friends. And, uh, and, and, you know, that could be people you work with, people you go to school with, people in your neighborhood. I mean, anybody you would consider a friend that needs to know Jesus, needs to hear your story, write some of those names down. And then the last one, um, I don't know how to spell this, so you're, men, you're going to have to ask your wives. But uh, acquaintances, I have no idea how to spell acquaintances. But uh, write down acquaintances or just say, change it to people that I know but they're not my friends but I still know them or something like that. But uh, write that down and then think of some of And what I mean by acquaintances, those are people that you know but, but they're not your friend yet. Maybe they, one day they'll become your friend but you know them and you talk to them a little bit. 
or it could even be people that, that are in service industries that you see a lot, like the librarian. If you're in the library and every week you see the librarian, or if you go to the same grocery store and the same person bags your groceries or checks you out and you know them and you talk to them, you go to the bank, same teller every single week, you know them a little bit, um, just, just write those, those people down. Now, once you've got a list, the next thing that you need to do, which is the most important of all, is you need to start praying. And you need to pray, and you need to pray, and you need to pray some more. And then after that, you need to pray a little bit more. And then when you're done doing that, you need to continue to pray. And what you're praying for is you're asking God to give you an opportunity to share your story. Asking God to give you an opportunity to share your story and asking God to speak to that person's heart. And, and let me tell you, if you ask God to give you a chance to share your story, you're going to be amazed at the chances you get. Um, you, you're going to... The, the person that you, that's just the acquaintance that you've never talked to, you're going to have a situation where all of a sudden it's just going to be laid right out there before you where it's almost like they're begging to hear you tell them about Jesus. If you pray and ask, God will do his part. He will give you those opportunities. So once you figure out who those people are, you pray and you ask God to give you those opportunities. And then, of course, the next thing is, then you take the opportunity and you do it. You tell your story. Now, We've been talking about this, this is the third week, and, uh, and, and we talked the first week about how the scripture teaches that all of us are supposed to do this. We're all supposed to tell people about Jesus. It's not just for Christian black belts or anybody like that. It's for regular people to tell about Jesus. And, and what I want you to know as we get ready to, to finish up here is that this is God's plan for sharing the gospel with the whole earth. His plan is for his people to tell other people. That's the plan. And there is no plan B. There's no, there, there's not a, Jesus isn't in heaven looking down on us and saying, well, if this doesn't work, I guess we're going to have to send in the special forces and the angels are going to come in on parachutes with gospel guns and just start firing the truth of the gospel into people's hearts. It's not going to happen that way. There is no plan B. We're, we're it. We're the plan. As messed up as we are, we're the plan. And that's the beauty of it. I tell you all the time to read the Bible for yourself, and I hope you're doing that. And if you're reading the Bible for yourself, those of you reading the Bible for yourself, if you've noticed that the people in the Bible were pretty messed up, raise your hand. That's some messed up cats in the Bible. I mean, really messed up murderers and, you know, rapists and, I mean, all these messed up people. And God was using those people that were all messed up to do his work. They'd be messed up. He'd save them. They'd do his work. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament was a guy named Paul. And he was as messed up as anybody's ever been. And Jesus saved him. And then he was responsible for telling probably more people about the gospel than anybody had ever been before. And, and so the fact that, that, you, that you're not perfect, the, the fact that you've got junk in your past, the fact that you still struggle on a daily basis to do what God wants you to do, you're the perfect person to tell somebody about Jesus. That's the beauty of the plan, is that it's broken people telling other broken people about how they can be changed and then watching Jesus do the rest. It's amazing what can happen. You know, I, I could stand up here and I could tell you a lot of statistics 
4.5 billion lost people in the world, the last statistic I read. But you know what? That doesn't move you to do anything. Because that's a big, gigantic number, and you immediately assume, oh yeah, that's all those people in Asia and Africa. But what I hope will move you, don't worry about the 4.5 billion. Worry about the 5 to 10 that you know. I hope that's what will move you to share your story with your people, is to realize there's people that I go to work with every day. There's people that I play golf with. There's people that live in my neighborhood. There's people that go to school with my kids. There's kids that I go to school with. They're the ones that they're going to die without Jesus. And so I hope that that will move you. I hope that will move me because I want you to know I'm right in here with you. I'm just as nervous as you are to tell somebody about Jesus. But together, if we tell our story to our people, it can make a huge impact on our community. I want you to bow your heads. While you got your heads bowed there, I want you just to think through the names of those people, the, the people that you came out and prayed for the first week, and think through some of the names of the people that you've written down, friends, family, acquaintances. And um, just begin to pray right now while you got your head bowed that God would give you an opportunity to tell them your story. Maybe you need to pray this morning that you'll have the discipline to live the way your story is. You know that you're doing stuff that you've got no business being involved in and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin your story if you try to tell someone about Jesus. And I'm going to pray for us and then we'll go out of here excited about what Jesus can do in this community if we're faithful to do what we're supposed to do. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us a story to tell. Uh, every, every one of us who have accepted you as our Savior, uh, we've got something to tell that we shouldn't keep quiet about. And I pray for myself. I pray for everybody up here on this stage. I pray for everybody sitting out here in the congregation. Lord, that we would all take seriously the responsibility we have to tell others about you. God, that you would give us opportunities this week that before we gather back here next Sunday, that every single one of us in here will have a chance to tell our story to somebody. And Lord, that we would be faithful to do that. We trust you, we love you, and we need you. And we ask this in your name, in the name of Jesus, amen.